This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri, Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Coming to you here, um, season seven, episode 10. Anthony, uh, wow, it's it's been a great season so far. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things we've got to visit about this last season. But before we do, I, I got to know, how is whatever it takes coming? Give us a current update. Where are we at right now? Yeah, so things uh, took a little swing. Um, a couple of the other teams had uh, a couple of really good outings, so they uh, may have jumped us in the standings. We were uh, we were in first for a little bit, but uh, now we're trailing behind. But we've got a few plans in mind. We still have a little bit of time to try and make up some ground. Um, there's a few species that we haven't targeted yet, and we're hoping that a few things fall into place and maybe we can steal a few points and, and gain some points ourselves and uh, maybe – make things a little bit tighter race. I think no matter what happens, it's going to be a, a race to the finish line. Uh, I think everybody's kind of gunning for it. And really it's going to come down to a few key bites. I know for Chris and myself, there's a few fish that we'd wish we had back. I know Chris was camping one night and he lost a, a really nice rainbow trout that would have jumped us at least one spot, maybe into first in the, the stream trout category. I know another time he lost a, a fish, uh, a nice big walleye right at the bottom of the hole. We were eel pout fishing, fishing for burbot the other weekend, and I had a fish break off. So, I mean, there's a few of those fish that we really wish we could have back because I think it would have made a, a significant difference, but we're hoping we can make up some ground. It'll it'll be interesting what it comes down to, and I know the weather is going to play a factor into it. Uh, I had some plans to get out this weekend and, and chase a few things, and now the weather's starting to look a little nasty with some snow and some high winds. And so might have to adjust plans accordingly. Yeah. You know, mother nature, it we're, we're into late ice. Right. And, and you think about that and you think, well, the, the brunt of winter is done. It's past us, but boy, these March storms can be really brutal and, and they can make a big difference on whether we get out on the ice or not. Yeah, it's one of those things, and, and it's funny you say that because some of the great fishing trips that I've had have coincided with some storms or some bad weather. Like, you, you, the fish obviously can feel that pressure change, and so, I mean, I've had some great trips when the weather's changing, but it does make getting to the lake and getting home from the lake a little bit more difficult, so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hoping it's not too bad. I can, you know, still get out maybe a little bit more locally and, and not travel as far, but... I'm hoping maybe with that storm going on, maybe the fish are fish are snapping. You can't catch them if you don't get out. You can't catch them if you don't get out. And uh, regardless of where you are right now in the standings where you finish, you're fishing against some pretty good sticks here. It's not like you're just going out with, uh, you know, some slouches who only get on the ice once a year. Yeah, everybody's kind of stepped up their game. Um, everybody's been taking swings. Uh, I know myself, I, I drove all the way up to Upper Red Lake last weekend chasing a crappie bite. The boom crappies, you know, there's still some around in the areas if you know where to find them. And I had some people that I knew that had caught a few really nice ones and had a general idea of where they were. And I got up there and I did catch, I would say I caught a crappie in the first hour, 
And so I was pretty uh, optimistic, but didn't catch any that were upgrades for the competition. But it's one of those things you kind of got to swing for the fence at this point uh, to try and make up some ground or, or take a category. Yeah, and you said it early on, Anthony. We've talked about this numerous times throughout the the Shack Talk season here, and you know, you talked about how the how it wasn't a sprint; it was it was a marathon. It was a full season. You got a lot of boxes to check, and you got a lot of places to go. And you've kind of you, I mean, and you knew it has been a long season, right? But now you're at that point where you're kind of you've come around the last corner here, right? You're in the home stretch, and uh, that's where it gets fun and exciting. Yeah, it's really coming down to focusing on what categories we feel we can make up the ground or, you know, put the fish on the board that we haven't caught yet and hope that the ones that we maybe are leading in are, are going to hold on for the duration because that could change things real quickly if somebody gets out and, and takes a category from us. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of movement this last couple of weeks. And, and for those that have been following along, the whole season we've been messaging back and forth when we catch an upgrade. So the teams kind of know real time, obviously our episodes are getting caught up where we're at now, but the last two weeks, we're not going to send measurements. We're just going to send photos. So the other team's going to know you caught a specific species, but they're not going to know exactly whether or not it's an upgrade or maybe it's just you holding it out, making it look big so that the other team thinks that it's an upgrade. So It'll be a little interesting. We won't know until the end who uh, who ends up winning, but it'll be fun regardless. So is there a little gamesmanship going on here? Um, you talked about maybe holding the fish out so it looks bigger. You might want to throw the other team off track, maybe get them uh, a little bit distracted somewhere else. Is that what you're saying is happening? Yeah, it might happen. Um, you know, we were, we were even talking about uh, when we were – at a specific lake of, you know, maybe even sending a Snapchat from a lake, but then not even be fishing that lake, go somewhere else and try and throw them off the trail. I, and it'll be interesting. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. It's been fun watching up to this point, all the episodes that have come out and kind of seeing what you guys have done. And and it's kind of, it's building, right? I mean, the, the first ones were certainly interesting and fun, but you get the feel like there's more tension, there's more excitement that's kind of brewing and building here as you get towards the end of the season. Yeah, it's hard to sometimes portray the the effort and everything that goes into it, the thought process. I know for myself, I've been fishing for species that I've never targeted through the ice before. Stream trout, um, never had gone out and targeted burbot before. And so it's really put a lot of extra stress, not stress, but, you know, preparation on what we're doing and, and the challenges and everything that comes with that. And some things have worked out. Some things haven't. Uh, I know the next episode, you'll get to see some, uh, some heartbreak and drama. Uh, we were stream trout fishing and the first two that we caught both got back down the hole before we could measure them. So no. <laughs> it was a, a little interesting. We learned real fast that, uh, those fish are uh, not so easy to control once they're out of the water. A lot of muscle. They're really slippery. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we, we learned that real quick. So when, when does the, uh, when is the culmination of the season? Is it ice out or is it on a specific date? So the end of the competition will be March 31st, regardless if there's ice or not. Things are looking good that we'll have ice till the end. So I'm sure, I'm sure guys will be fishing up until the last day. 
Um, and then the episode, the last episode, we're hoping to get out um, within, you know, the first 10 days of April um, so that it can still be current with the ice season and everybody will be able to see the, the culmination. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds fun. We're excited to see it and see how things all play out here in the last few weeks. And, you know, last few weeks, this, this is episode 10 of Shack Talk, Anthony, and we do it. We do a 10 episode season each year. This is our final episode. We don't have a guest. We're just going to, we're going to steal a mic, just you and I here and, and talk a little ice fishing with just us. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure always to welcome in guests. And I learn, and I know you do too, right? We, we learn a lot from those guests, but, uh, um, we don't have a guest today, which is going to be kind of fun. Uh, but even though this is the last episode, you were saying off the air before we started recording here, you know, it's, it's the last episode, but there's a lot of ice season left and, you know, there's a lot of snow to be melted. There's a lot of ice on the lakes and in, in certainly in our area and throughout the ice belt. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of on ice adventures, uh, yet to go here. Oh, absolutely. I know. Obviously, like I mentioned, I'm going to try and get out this weekend. I've got plans for the following two weekends and, you know, there's probably a good chance that I'll be on the ice up until, you know, even into April possibly. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I will say that I'm starting to get the itch for the open water now. Uh, you know, the ice season's been good, but it's been a long one. And I feel like every time we get more snow, it just makes that uh, fire burn a little bit more to get on the open water. But I'm really looking forward to this late ice opportunity. I know for a lot of people, even myself, it gets to be a grind by this time in the season and you know you maybe don't feel as much uh, ambition to get out but really this is probably some of the best if not the best ice fishing yet to be had for the season as soon as that ice starts or the snow starts to melt and the, the ice starts to get soft and the you know water's running down the hole and life starts to come back into the water it uh, can really kick things off it is it's a magic time of the year and and i gotta i have to laugh because we just got back from a trip. We got back from a family vacation. We're on our way back. We flew into Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, and it was late, so we're going to stay overnight, and then we're going to drive back to Fargo the following day. This was just this past weekend. And uh, so you flip the TV on, you know, and and like you normally do, right? This is catch up and see what's happening in the world. And um, the local news had a story on ice fishing. I'm like, all right, hey, this is this is good stuff, right? I'm going to stay tuned here through the commercials. We're going to see what we're, you know, see what we got going on. Well, it comes back from the commercial, and the first thing you see is the, the headline on the television screen. It says, last day of ice fishing. Well, it was the last day you could keep your permanent houses on the lake overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what, that's not what the headline read. It was last day of ice fishing. I'm like, that could not be further from the truth. I mean, it is a magic time of the year. We got a lot of ice fishing ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm looking forward to it. And how about you? You got some trips planned things on the radar? You know, um, you kind of mentioned it winter gets long, right? And it, and it does, it's just part of our world. And one of the things we love to do is, is to go out ice fishing. It helps to bring some excitement and fun to that long winter. Just got back from that vacation and had a chance to be in a boat, had a chance to be on the waves, had a chance to grab a long rod and pitch some jigs and catch some bonefish and some snook. And I got to tell you what, that wasn't ice fishing, but it felt really dang good. 
And I have come home with just a whole new level of enthusiasm and excitement for the rest of the ice season. Honestly, it's very, very exciting. And um, I'll, I'll be out there now as long as I can hitting the ice as, as often as I can locally here, you know, in the De- uh, Becker County, Detroit Lake, Minnesota area, uh, Ottertail County of Minnesota. We've got a trip. Thanks, thanks to you lighting the fire last year, Anthony. Uh, we've got another trip up to Lake of the Woods to chase some of those pike on tip-ups. We're going to give that another whirl and and hopefully be able to put some big ones up on the, the top of the ice. Um, that's going to be really fun. We we learned our lesson last year on that trip. Uh, we went up. We met you and Mike out, out on the ice and, and had a great experience. But not having ever done it before, we, we had rooms at the the – hotel in town and you know mid to late march the sun doesn't set until 7 7 30 um we were faced with that dilemma of either not eating dinner till 10 30 11 o'clock at night or leaving during prime time and it really it, it stunk um we've got a couple of houses rented with uh, with ross swenson there of big north guide service and and uh, we're going to stay out on the ice. We're going to just camp out there. We're going to have a great time. We're going to, if, if the weather isn't perfect, we're going to set up an Eskimo hub. Um, and we're going to make a whole weekend out of it. So I'm super, super enthusiastically excited about that one. I can't wait for that to get here. Yeah, the timing should be pretty close to right. I mean, I know up there, they actually don't have as much snow as we have down here, surprisingly, which is an oddity for them. But you know, looking at the 10 to 14 day forecast, uh, you know, there's not a lot of melting going on, but you know, it's only a matter of time before things switch and you know, that's really going to trigger those fish to move. And I think it'll be setting up pretty good here in the next couple of weeks for, for that tip up bite. And I know I'm planning to get up there in the next week or two as well. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's just one of those things, like you said, last year, it's a different type of fishing. It's relaxing. You sit back, play some cards, visit, and, you know, you're still fishing, but it's a, a much more laid back approach to fishing. It is, you know, and I, and I grew up not doing a lot of tip up fishing. It's, it's kind of new to me. I've, I've jig fish a lot, you know, bobber fish, set line, all those things, but just have not done a lot of tip up fishing until more recently. And, um, yeah, what a great, great time. I mean, it, it, it's at a different level because it's it's about patience, it's about waiting, it's about setting things up the right way and then waiting for things to happen. And you're not out there chasing bluegills, you're not out chasing perch where you're going to catch 10, 20, 30 fish a day, you know. Um, you're hoping for a few bites during the day and, and you're going to make those bites count and hopefully they're going to be good ones. Yeah, it's a lot like sitting in a deer stand. You're just waiting for that one to come by and and uh, the excitement to culminate. So yeah, it's it's a really fun time. I really enjoy it. Been doing it for a long time, and you know, recommend for anybody that hasn't tried it. I know some of the inland lakes closed down for pike, but um, you know, get up to Lake of the Woods or somewhere else, Devil's Lake. I know there's a lot of opportunities. South Dakota things are open still. Um, that late ice pike bite can be really exciting and i know you said you don't catch 10 20 30 i mean there's days where if you catch it right i mean i know we were up there with a big group of guys but i think we had like 24 pike in one day um, wow. up on lake of the woods i mean there was granted there was eight ten of us so we had a pretty big spread of flags but um, things can happen pretty quick up there that would be exciting i can't i can't imagine the chaos if you're 
putting that many fish on top of the ice because it's a, you get hooked up. I mean, you're, you're running, you're, you're running to your tip up. You're, if you're, whether it's a regular tip up, you know, a traditional style tip up, or like we were using the iFish pros, if you're battling them with rod and reel, it takes a little bit to get those fish in. And then you want to be quick, of course, about photos and what, and getting them back in the water. But and then resetting your tip. I mean, it's a process, right? Every fish mm-hmm. doesn't just happen instantly. So, yep. Yeah, there's nothing more exciting than when you're battling a f- fish and then all of a sudden you look across the spread and there's another flag that pops up and a couple of guys are heading off to that and it's uh, it gets a little chaotic at times. It sounds like an absolute blast. Can you disclose some of that? You said you might be heading up to Lake of the Woods. You got any other destinations you're heading to here at Late Ice? Yeah, for sure, Lake of the Woods. Um, I really wanted to try and get out to Sakakawea. Um, that'll be weather dependent. Uh, I was hoping to maybe try and get out there this weekend, but traveling that far with the weather we're supposed to get doesn't seem ideal. Um, we'll see what happens, but maybe that last weekend or last week uh, be able to sneak out there. It looks like they've got some pretty decent conditions still for ice, so I think that's an option. If not, probably fall back to maybe Devil's Lake or somewhere um, a little bit closer. I know they've still got quite a bit of ice up on Devil's Lake, and so they should have ice up until the, the end of the month, if not into April. And that bite up there is obviously well-known for being really good late ice, whether it's the late ice walleye pike or perch. Um, so looking forward to hitting one of those destinations. And then, like you said, hitting a few of the, the local local lakes here before things start to to melt too much. Yeah, and that can happen quickly. I mean, the, you said it, the 10 to 14-day forecast, uh, as we're looking at here, right, in the, you know, Dakotas, North Dakota, Minnesota area where we live, Fargo-Moorhead, there's not a lot of above freezing temperatures. But I'll tell you what, just the last couple of weeks, you don't even have to get out of the teens. That sun comes out for just a few minutes uh, you can already see the driveway steam and you can see the snow melting wherever there's contact with any kind of a dark surface. Yeah, absolutely. That sun's got a lot of power. And, you know, for one thing that I learned too, that, you know, we can share with the listeners that I didn't realize before was, you know, the ice doesn't really melt from the top down. It actually melts from the bottom up. The water underneath the ice warms up and it starts to erode the ice and so that sun has a lot of power. And so once that snow comes off and that sun is hitting it, like you said, even if it's not above freezing and melting on top, it's still melting underneath and weakening that ice. So just something to be aware of. It's something that you don't really maybe necessarily think about, but that ice can get rotten in a, in a hurry when it gets uh, to this time of the year and that sun's beating on that ice, like you said, for 12 plus hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, Anthony, you know, you and I, we talk about it every single year, more so probably around first ice, but late ice is just important, right? Ice safety and knowing the ice conditions, being aware of, of you know, changes in those ice conditions because it can change very, very quickly day to day, even hour to hour um, this time of the year. And and we just, oh, hey, have your have your spikes with, have your... your uh, um, Okay, now I'm having a moment. I can't think of what they're called, but you know your 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 ice ice, picks, bike, yep. ice picks. There you go. Yep. And um, your float suit, right? Your float suit is a must. Um, a rope, uh, even something you can throw. Go out with a buddy. All those things apply. We kind of forget about some of those things mid winter because of 
just ice conditions that for the most part, they're never 100% safe, but for the most part, they're pretty safe and pretty reliable. Um, and now we, we get to that other end of the, the season and we just got to be watching and be careful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, similar to early ice, those shallow areas, anywhere near vegetation, dark bottom, like you said, um, any of the shorelines that are maybe on the north end of the lake that are getting beat with that sun, obviously those deteriorate a lot faster than maybe the, the south shoreline that's maybe shaded by some trees, uh, maybe still has a little bit of ridges, residual snow hanging out. Um, so just keep that in mind if you're heading to a lake. Obviously, the south shore is going to be a lot safer than the north side. And you know, keep that in, in mind when you're venturing out because that shoreline's always the first to go. And, you know, once she starts crumbling, uh, I, I won't lie, I've, I've planked out and gotten out onto some late ice before, but, uh, you know, don't push your limits too far. Don't push your limits too far. And no, also another thing that I've just seen over the years is that uh, a lot of times people go onto the ice at the public boat ramp, the public access. And a lot of times you have a combination of sand and salt that have dropped there from vehicles going on and off the lake throughout the season. You've got concrete that's absorbing some heat. Uh, those areas can tend to deteriorate faster than other areas of the lake as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Anthony, um, looking back, season seven of Shack Talk, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been great visiting with you. It's been great visiting with our guests. We've had some amazing guests on Shack Talk this season. Any particular things that stand out in your mind, uh, things that are memorable, uh, things that uh, you kind of bring a chuckle to your, you know, when you think about them? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, we had a lot of great guests. Uh, we had some uh, returning guests that had been on the podcast before. We had some new guests. And to me, the the new guests are always really fun to to you know, create that conversation and have a, have a great time chatting here on the, the podcast. And so for me, um, it was probably a couple of the new guests that we had on, uh, first one being, uh, Richard Vaughn out in, uh, the New Hampshire area. That was a really fun podcast. Uh, I learned a lot about a new area that I'd never experienced fishing, um, you know, really had done much research on fishing. And so it was really fun to get his perspective. And then another new guest, uh, Sean Conrad from the, the Conrad Brothers. I mean, that was a really fun uh, segment, listening to all of his strategies that go into catching those big fish. Uh, he's got quite the, the mecca up there, up in Saskatchewan and Alberta, you know, going after those trophy fish. Yeah, I tell you what, Anthony, um, I don't know about you, but just speaking for myself, I felt like a real amateur after we interviewed Sean because that guy – Wow. He, he goes at it 110% everything. And I was just amazed listening to, to the destinations of the bodies of water he fishes, but just the way that he knows those bodies of water and the way he attacks them and the way he approaches those things. Um, the guy has a ton of confidence and we all know that when it comes to fishing, confidence is, is a real thing. It's, it's a measurable thing and it, it's a difference maker. And he has a lot of confidence for a reason. He's got a lot of confidence because he's a very good angler and he has done some amazing things uh, with fish through the ice. So, yeah, I would agree. He was he was definitely a highlight, and, and Richard was too. I learned what a fish trap is. Um, I always knew what a fish trap was, a tip-up, but I didn't know it was a fish trap. And that was a really cool thing that I will never forget uh, that I learned from him. Uh, another one, you know, Johnny Naviri up in Winnipeg, having an opportunity to interview him and um, never met him in person, 
did the we did the podcast. He was on Shack Talk. We talked, and 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 he was a great guest. Really enthusiastic about fishing and and Lake Winnipeg, and then making a trip up there and getting to spend an afternoon fishing with him in person. That was super cool to to follow up with that opportunity, and uh, that was a fun one. And you know. I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out on the list because because everybody was awesome. We got to to interview Mike Olson at the Fargo Ice Fishing Show, which was a fantastic time and and always an exciting event. That was a good one. Um, Jay Siemens, you know who can who can not want to listen to Jay? That guy is absolutely amazing with his fishing, just his passion for fishing, but also his just ability to tell a story and and um, make you want to watch along or listen along for more right he just yeah, he's absolutely. just he's catching and the passion for teaching and you know taking new people out on the ice and i know that really comes across in a lot of his videos and you know i think he enjoys it as much as you and i and some of the others on the team you know getting someone that's never experienced ice fishing out on the ice and and being able to to teach them something and you know, maybe start to build a little bit of that spark or that fire for ice fishing that maybe they didn't know that they had. And, you know, one fun experience and, you know, don't even necessarily have to catch a ton of fish either for that spark to be ignited. You know, having just a good time out on the ice can, can do that as well. Oh, for sure. And, and when we had Jay on, it was right in the midst of the game of inches, right? And, and we all know the excitement that was around that here. Early ice, uh, they had filmed it late last season, about this time last year, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And um, that was great. That that added some excitement to the conversation. And you know, the guests the guests have made the podcast such an awesome opportunity. Uh, I know for you and I, but also for all of our listeners. And and you know, speaking of our listeners, we uh, can't say enough appreciation for those who subscribe to Shack Talk. They download Shack Talk. They listen to it. Um, They've approached you, they've approached me at the different ice shows and different events we've been at and, and talked about how much they enjoy it. Um, a huge thank you goes out to all of those listeners because without them, uh, there is no Shack Talk, there is no podcast, and um, all, all of the listeners are so, so appreciated. And what also is appreciated is all of the questions that were sent in for the ice advice. Yeah, absolutely. Without the the comments and the the feedback from the listeners, we wouldn't have had our our fun new segment this season. I got to ask all of our guests uh, a fun user-submitted question, and then obviously our recurring uh, question talking about you know, the difficulties of catching some of those trophy caliber fish. And I know it was really fitting with, you know, when we kicked off the season with Jay, they were, like you said, chasing the game of inches and Sean Conrad talking about, you know, some of the world record size fish that they had caught. And I think just getting some perspective from everybody else on what they think is, you know, that most difficult one to catch and what are some of their most prized trophy fish that they had caught. So Anthony, after listening to all of their opinions and their thoughts on those trophy caliber fish, did it change your perspective or are you still kind of the same as you were at the beginning of the season? You know, I, I'd have to be, I'm, I'm a little bit more open to some of the other ones that the guests said were more difficult. Um, obviously, the ones that I haven't caught are, you know, obviously still the most difficult for me, that 50-inch muskie or, you know, that 11-inch bluegill. Some of those, you know, those are like two wide ends of the spectrum. Um, but it really just makes you think about the 
the quality of fish and the quality of the fishery to be able to catch those types of fish. And that's really been a focus of our, you know, competition for fish addictions too, is trying to chase some of those larger caliber fish. And I'll be honest, they're not the easiest to catch. Um, you might think you're going to a lake that has that caliber, but it doesn't mean that you're going to catch them. And so for those that do, you know, make sure to, to cherish that rel- that, uh, that trophy and that memory and, you know, whether or not you choose to release it or put it on the wall, I think uh, that's to each person, but um, it's really just all about the memory and it's really fun to be able to share that with people because everybody can get excited over big fish. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And you talk about, you know, your choice to keep a trophy if you want to put one on the wall. And I fully support that as well, as long as it's within the the, the law of, of what's allowable to take. But just the overall sense of selective harvest, um, catch and release, and, and just being more intentional about not keeping every single fish that comes up through the ice or into your boat during the summer, you know, it is making a difference. It's making a difference in these fisheries and it's making it possible for you and I and everybody else to go pursue those trophies caliber fish because they do swim in those waters. Yeah. And with the advances in technology, you know, yes, that gives the angler an advantage. No, you can't always make those fish bite. Um, but when you have an advantage, you also need to be respectful of the resource and, you know, not take advantage when you have the advantage. And so I'm, I'm really excited listening to, you know, listeners, the guests that we've had on the podcast, talk about the same thing, talking about selective harvest, uh, being mindful of the resource, you know, a person doesn't need to keep, you know, six 20 inch walleyes for a meal. You can keep four 16 inch walleyes and have plenty for a meal and, you know, let those bigger fish go. And for me personally too, there's been a lot of times where, you know, you're fishing and you go out fishing for the day and, you get home, it's, you know, maybe dark and late. And the last thing you feel like doing is filleting fish. And so yep. there's been times where I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to keep any fish because I know I'm not going to feel like cleaning up tonight. Right. And there shouldn't, and I'm not, and I'm not saying anything bad about generations past, you know, our, our ancestors, our, our grandparents and whatnot, they, they fished in a time where things were different. They fished for sustenance. They fished for food that they depended on to live, right? And that's, that's a lot of how they provided for their families. We're not in that situation now. We, we, can, we can easily acquire food in other ways. It's a treat to be able to eat fish, and it's a treat to be able to eat fish that you catch. I, I fully support and practice that on a regular basis. But with that being said, we're not obligated to keep every single fish we catch. I think that's what we're both saying is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, um, you know, another topic that I think kind of comes up later in the season throughout the year is, you know, barrel trauma within fish and, you know, being respectful too. Like if you're catching fish that maybe are experiencing barrel trauma or hook deep or different things like that, might as well keep it, um, you know, fillet it eat it, you know, do that and be respectful of the resource, but, you know, don't be releasing fish if they're, you know, not going to survive either or continue fishing for fish um, that are maybe experiencing that. And so it's just something to always keep in mind is just being mindful of uh, what, what the conditions are, what you're planning to do and, and knowing ahead of time, if you're planning to keep those fish and, you know, treat those fish as you're going to be, you know, keeping them, keeping them on ice, you know, bleeding them or gilling them and, you know, being respectful of that resource when you're going to be able to keep it and bring it home and prepare it. Cause 
I'm not going to lie. A good meal of fresh fish is about as good as it gets. It is. It's It's a great treat. It's a great thing to do. It's good for you, the whole nine yards. And you brought up the topic of barotrauma. And, and I know it's come up in conversations in, in my world a few different times. And just because a fish swims away when you put it back in the water does not mean it's going to live. Right? And so that yep. barotrauma awareness of if you're pulling a fish out of 35, 40 feet of water... If you're not being very intentional about taking it, bringing it up extremely slowly, and it, I mean extremely slowly, um, it, it, it may have a little bit of kick when you put it back in the water, but there's a good chance it's not going to live. Um, same thing happens in the summertime, right? And you, But then you see the fish floating on the water. It isn't always that way when we're fishing through the ice because it gets down and, and maybe pops up under the ice somewhere where we can't see it. Uh, but just being aware of that, I think, is an important piece of the responsibility you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Something to be mindful. And as we continue to, to advance technology and things, we're also, you know, increasing angler education. And so that's really what we're just trying to do. And I know both you and I learn something new. It seems like every every season, every guest that we get and um, just trying to pass that knowledge and and gain that awareness with all of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite uh, new piece of equipment this year, Anthony? Oh, that's a tough question. Honestly, one of the fun ones that for me um, has been the GoPro using that on my live scope and then the measuring board. Like I don't always carry a measuring board with me, but having that for the competition was really fun because you can kind of guess, oh, that's a eight inch bluegill or that's a 12 inch crappie. But when you start putting them on the board and putting the tail to the tape, um, it, it really changes, you know, what you maybe thought was a 10 inch bluegill. Well, that was really only like a, maybe a nine and a quarter inch bluegill. And yep. you can really start to, to give a little bit of a hard time to your buddies when they're like, oh yeah, we went out and caught a pail full of 14 inch crappies. It's like, well, those were probably 12 inch crappies. You were just maybe measuring them with the mouth open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that, and, and I appreciate that you said that because, um, sometimes it's those little things, right? The little things, having a ruler with you, making sure you have it. So you get an accurate measurement. We don't all need accurate measurements, right? Sometimes it's just fun to say, I got a really nice fish and that that's mm-hmm. just it, you know, no big deal. But you know, when you're talking about trophy caliber fish. Sean Conrad, for an example, right? I mean, he's chasing record book fish. He needs to know exactly what he's catching, right? To, to make sure he's attaining that goal. And and whether it be game of inches, whether it be whatever it takes, whether it be one, any of these different um, competitive events and, and looking at tournaments now, uh, maybe more in the open water, but I'm, I'm certain it happens through the ice as well catch and release where it's based on a measurement, not on a weight. Um, that's more part of our world now than it had been, you know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing too, with measuring fish, taking pictures of fish, it's really just trying to be aware of, you know, the health and the quickness of getting that fish back into the water. Um, I know that's something that we really tried to do this season with the competition because most of the fish that we caught in the competition went back. Um, yeah, we maybe kept a few to eat, but for the majority, we tried to release a lot of those fish and you're really just trying to be quick. And, you know, maybe that didn't come across in the footage, but it was as quick as we could to grab the camera get a quick measurement, maybe a quick pick on the board and back in the water and, um, try and get those fish released. I know myself, I had a few nice fish that 
I threw back really quick and it's like, man, I really should have taken a little more time and taken a picture with that fish. But luckily I got some stills off of the video that we had. And so, um, you know, that's something for people too. you know, having that camera rolling, it's another thing that you can use to your advantage. Yeah, it is. I've really gotten used to using the GoPro, um, and just putting it on a loop setting. I've got mine set up on a 20 minute loop so I can turn it on. I hook it up to a, you know, a Markham battery, uh, uh, lithium battery. So I've got pretty much power for it all day long. And, uh, you know, you put on that 20 minute loop and basically it's continually recording all day long, but it will, when you, when you click the button, it'll only save the last 20 minutes. So -hmm. it's easy. You don't have a day's worth of, of footage to look through if you want to capture some memories. And to me, that's been kind of a, a, a new fun way to do things this year. Yeah, if if somebody wants to add, you know, say you really enjoy taking pictures, um, adding video to the arsenal, there's something about going back and looking at pictures from a fishing trip. But when you can go back and watch the entire battle or the entire, you know, fight and, and being able to relive that on video, boy, that's something else. Like our, our trip out to Fort Peck, I don't know how many times I've watched a few of those lake trout battles back on video. And it's just like, man, I wish that place was a lot closer because I'd be going back out there again. Kind of a special place, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of ice advice, that's where we kind of uh, got off on this tangent. Uh, for any of our listeners to Shack Talk, if you've got an opinion, you know, if we should bring back ice advice next year, if it was good, if it was interesting content, uh, let us know, reach out. Uh, if you have more questions, we you know, we've got some in that we didn't get to yet this year, but we can always use more. Um God willing, we're going to have another season next fall that we're going to kick off, and we uh, we certainly would be willing to to jump in on some of those questions. So don't don't hesitate to reach out. Like I said before, we we very much appreciate the uh, listener interaction and and all of the opportunities that we've had to visit and and hear from you and get your questions. So um, yeah, by all means, let us let us know. Anthony, what do you have plans for? Uh, we talked a little bit about from now until the end of ice season, right? So the, the late ice period till ice fishing's done. Shack Talk's all about ice fishing, but it's our last episode. What do you got in, in store for the rest of the year? What what does Anthony Kleinwalker do during the, the spring, summer, and fall up until next first ice? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back in the boat, as I mentioned. Uh, usually that involves a trip maybe up to the Rainy River, um, getting after those fish when the season, you know, before the season closes on uh, the border waters for walleye. And I know one thing we want to try and focus on this year that we've dabbled with a little bit in the past is maybe a little sturgeon fishing. Um, I've had the opportunity to catch a couple, but I know Chris, my partner from the, the whatever it takes in fish addictions, he hasn't caught one yet. Uh, I shouldn't say that he hasn't landed one yet. We battled one for over an hour last year that, Got to about 10, 12 feet from the boat and it came up and rolled and the jig popped out. And so that was a little bit of a heartbreaker. So I know he's got a a bone to pick with those sturgeon, but you know, trying to get after them early in the season is, is really fun and exciting and and a unique opportunity up on the rainy river to, to be able to battle those fish that are, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, uh, prehistoric type uh, fish. And then, that'll roll into fishing opener in Minnesota and hopefully a few trips into North Dakota and maybe up to Lake of the woods. And before you know it, we'll be starting to think about and talk about and planning for the next ice season. Yeah, it is. And I know you spent some time in the fall up there in the deer woods where your family has a cabin. So that's part of it too. And, 
And uh, funny how the, the year kind of comes those full circles, right? Uh, we've been doing Shack Talk here for four months. I look back to episode one, it says four months ago. Like that wasn't four months ago. Well, sure enough, it was, right? When we started it, um, we've been going at it here for four months uh, straight, which is which is a lot of fun. It's been a blast. But yeah, that, that, that leaves those, those remaining... Eight months. Well, we have another month of uh, of ice here. Let's just say you've got seven months of the open water. You got to fill until we're going to be walking back on the water again next uh, early winter. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Gave a little bit of insight to my season. What uh, what's in store for you after uh, after ice? Well, once uh, almost probably immediately this year. I you know depends on how things time out, but uh, we've got we've got turkey hunting. And uh, I own a farm, our family farm, uh, on the Minnesota River, right in the Minnesota River Valley near Granite Falls, Minnesota, which is just an incredible, incredible place. That's, that's, my, little, that's my little getaway, right? Our hunting camp down there, and we're going to be doing some turkey hunting there mid-April, right after Easter. Um, and, of course, then it'll be rolling into, into the open water, like you said, and, and crappies before opener maybe and and opener the walleye opener in minnesota we have a cabin in ottertail county that we uh, plan on spending a whole lot of time with i am involved very very heavily in the high school angling and youth angling movement during the open water and so we've got another full season of lund virtual fishing league events uh, if you've got kids that love to fish these are great events they're virtual you can fish them from any body of water in any state anywhere um, those are bass tournaments. Uh, involved with those, I'm involved in the Lake Agassiz High School Fishing League here in Fargo and West Fargo in the surrounding area. Uh, we got a full slate of uh, events for that league going on, which is super exciting. And then uh, I, I get to be tournament director for two angler, young angler tournaments, which are walleye tournaments, one on Devil's Lake, one on Little Pine Lake near uh, Purim, Minnesota. So, you know, that, that's going to fill my summer right there. And then then here we are getting tree stands ready, getting ready to sit back in the woods. And uh, that's a focus until, I mean, that melds right together with, with early ice, right? Because those those last few weeks of deer season, you're, you're hunting the rut, you're, you're post-rut, at the same time, the sloughs are freezing, and you're thinking, it isn't going to be long before I'm going to get that snowmobile back out. I'm going to get the auger fired up, and I'm going to get ready to go. And, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a full circle when you're passionate about the outdoors. Uh, there's never a, a lack of something to do. No, absolutely. And it, like you said, it comes full circle, and it, it sounds a little bit... Uh like our calendars are full, but I, I don't think I'd have it any other way. Nope. Having the, the whole year kind of planned out, obviously things change, plans change. And, you know, our, our wives and families sneak a few things in between that uh, maybe take us away from fishing. But uh, yep. I really enjoy having things planned out and being able to try and, you know, maybe plan a destination trip or something different. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have just kind of that schedule in mind on like, okay, these are the things that I'm going to do and try and, try and fit everything in. And I think that's the key before you know it, the, the season's over, just like the ice fishing season we had, uh, you know, before I know it, it's going to be time to hang up the gear and winterize the equipment and, and put things away for next year. And it'll be, it'll be bittersweet, but like you said, there's a, a lot more to look forward to with the open water season and everything else that's in store for the rest of the year. That's for sure. Never. And you know what, we live in a part of the world, Anthony, where, 
if if you're getting bored with what's going on, just wait. And you don't have to wait long because it's going to change. Season's going to change. The pursuit's going to change. The, 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 whatever you're doing, it's going to change. There's new opportunities, um, new, new things you can do. I mean, we talk, I, I host gone outdoors, right? The radio show based out of here, Fargo and Sioux Falls. And, you know, we talk a lot about fishing. We talk a lot about hunting. Ice fishing has been a huge part of our, our conversation on the radio, but also, you start talking about right make making maple syrup. I mean, heck, foraging for mushrooms, foraging for mushrooms. Yeah, shed hunting for shed antlers. Hunting. Yep, right. All of these other things in the outdoor that are opportunities to get out and do some fun stuff. So that never never a boring moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think we're blessed to live in an area where we get to experience all of those things and all the seasons changing. And as much as I hate winter, there's something nice about switching and knowing that it's going to go to spring and then you got summer and fall. And before you know it, you'll be looking forward to winter again. And then you'll get to the end of February and March and be like, okay, now I'm ready for the next season. Yep. Yep. That's right. You get that, that enthusiasm for the next thing coming in. And it seems like you're always engrossed and engaged in the season. That's right at hand, but you're also looking ahead, right? You kind of got one eye. You're always looking and thinking ahead a little bit like, is it open water in the rainy river? Is it turkey hunting? What is it? What's next coming? And you always have that in the back of your mind. So it keeps life interesting. Absolutely. And that's the that's the flavor, right? Just keep life interesting and uh, enjoy it while we can. Yep. Enjoy the ice. Enjoy whatever season you've got in front of you and, and embrace it. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, I know uh, the season was a blur, Things uh, went by fast and we, we kind of touched on a lot of that. And, and I know, as you mentioned and throughout, we're hoping and God willing, we'll be back for another season. And I'm already looking forward to the lineup of guests that we'll have and the the segments that we'll be able to talk about. And I really hope that uh, the listeners have enjoyed this season of uh, shack talk podcast, and I'll be ready and waiting for us when we come back next fall. That sounds great, Anthony. Uh, That's a good plan. And, As always, it's been a pleasure uh, sharing the microphone with you and talking to uh, all of our great guests here on Shack Talk. Absolutely. Thanks again to to Eskimo for allowing us to have this platform and be able to talk to all of our great guests and to to spread the, the ice fishing knowledge to all of our listeners. And so, as we mentioned many times before, get outside, have some fun, and enjoy some fishing. 